0: Is on him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. What a great statement of faith. Do you love to worship the Lord? I mean, he has created us for this He has created us for that that 's why you exist that 's why I exist well this morning we 're going to go through second Corinthians chapter five verses ten and and following and And this is just going to be a special weekend. You're about ready to hear a testimony from uh, uh, Pat Smith who came to our church a few years ago. And I want you to hear his story about what God did in his life. And so we enter into this time where Paul begins talking about the importance of sharing your faith, the importance of talking about your faith, the importance of being public with your faith. And, And there's a card in your bulletin that I'm going to talk about later, the Critical Path to Redemption, CPR card. And one came across Pat's way. And a few years back, and I want you to hear his testimony of how it ministered to him and how it changed his life. So, Pat, you come on.
1: Good morning.
2: morning.
1: (laughs) This is cool because I get to do this three times. So you should get the best version. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My name is Patrick Smith. I've been here since 2002. And in the time, I've uh, gotten to know the leadership at the church very, very well. And in spite of them getting to know me really well, they still keep me on, which is really cool. So here goes. In September of 1999, I prayed to receive Christ for the first time from a card that a friend of mine had given me. I knew that I had taken my first step into a whole new life. and didn't, However, I did not fully understand the depth of what I had just done. And like a lot of people, I was left with an overwhelming sense of, now what? And uh, this can be kind of discouraging, because my church experiences after that seemed to center more around what I did for a living than, than developing me as a Christian. Uh, at the time, I was a band director, high school band director. And they took a look at me and saw teacher and musician. And I immediately, which I love working with kids, and I love playing music, obviously. But what I was trying to do is I was trying to understand how to connect with God and learn the importance of a relationship with God. And that's something I missed. And that's probably something fairly familiar to a number of you at some point in your life. Now, this is a little... For At the time, it was really weird to me because a few years later, um, I was looking through some papers, and I found that card that uh, my friend had given me. And it, I hadn't put one and you know, two and two together at the time, but when I pulled that card out, I flipped it over, and I noticed that that card came from this church. And that kind of blew me away. Well, it didn't kind of blow me away. It really blew me away because I'm thinking, okay, now what does this mean? And this is, uh, you know, this is kind of one of those things to where uh, I know God invented humor because, you know, he, you, you look back on these things and you look at this stuff and it's like, wow, that was right under my nose. And uh, as it turns out, when we started life journaling, I received my answer very, very, very recently. And it's in Matthew 11, verse 10. And he says, I will send my messenger ahead of you. That's right who will prepare your way before you. And the cool thing about this is, is that along the way, even early on, God was preparing the way for me by surrounding me with godly people. See, I'm going through all of this, and I'm going from church to church to church trying to figure out the one thing that ties all of this together, that gives me what I want out of the people around me. See, I see all these people around me that have this relationship with God, And I don't know how to get there. I know how to teach kids, and I know how to play instruments. But I don't know how to get the one thing that gets my brain around this and understands what I need to do. And uh, it was really neat, because I started having, you know I, I look back on this, and I see people in my life that seemingly appeared out of nowhere. Students in my classroom, friends that I work with, I mean, the friend that I worked with gave me the card. And it was interesting because when all of this happened and when I made that connection, God had people in place to handle it when it happened. I mean, wow. I mean, how do you, you, know, how do you get your brain around the fact that that kind of attention is being focused on you? And what made the difference for me was not only learning to pray and give thanks to God, but to strive every day to get closer to Him. Now I'm about to quote my father. My dad was a very fascinating man. He had the the ability to whittle all of humanity down to the least common denominator. And no matter what the situation was, my dad could always divide people, all of humanity, into one of two groups. So for instance, he would say something like, son, there are two kinds of people in the world. Ford people and Chevy people. (laughs) (laughs) But dad, no, he wouldn't understand, son, because he's a Ford person. You know, or if my brother was picking on me, son, there are two kinds of people in the world those who dish out pain and those who receive it. (laughs) You need to figure out who you are. (laughs) So no matter what, you know, and this is the weird thing, is that he didn't whittle everybody into Ford or Chevy, he always had two groups of people for every problem. And it was really, really very cool. And so I'm going to borrow some of his wisdom to make my point. And that is, everybody here knows somebody whose life could be changed by the smallest gesture. And that's the thing. We're all in one of two groups. We're either looking for that answer. We're either looking for that one thing that ties everything together. Or we're that person that has that and needs to share it with that other group. See, that's the thing. This card left this church on a mission to find me. And when it did, it changed the life, my life. It changed the life of my family. And it gave me all of the things that I was looking for, not just spiritual things, but worldly things as well. And it taught me how to keep those things in check. And that was, you know, that's pretty cool for a piece of recyclable paper. That's a powerful little card. And we all have that ability. We have people around us. Some of you, you don't even know them. But they're waiting. And they're waiting for that opportunity. For when 2 plus 2 equals 4, and the light goes on, they're going to be there for you. And they're going to be able to make that, help you make that transition. And that was so incredible. I mean, I stood in the corner over there playing bass for several years. And it was nice, because all they asked me to do was play bass. And what they were really doing was they were just bringing me along slow until the light came on. And when the light came on, I was surrounded. I had people here, I had people at school, and I had people just out and about. That's just an amazing amount of attention that you get from something so large that we have built up in our head is so large that they'll single all these people out and find us. So, Like I said, this card left with a mission to find me and change the direction of my life. If this card can do all of that for me, what can this card do in the hands of all of you? Hmm. Think of the power that this has. It might take a while. I was slow. (laughs) And to be completely honest, I still am. But that's the deal, and never ever underestimate the power of a gesture, or the power of sharing your faith with someone else. Thank you.
0: James Cameron was the director, is the director of the movie Avatar. He was quoted of saying this. He said, when people have an experience that's very powerful in the movie theater, they naturally want to go and share it to others. They want to grab their their friend and bring them so that they can enjoy it also. They want to be the person to bring them the news that is something worth having in their life. James Cameron understood the power of a movie theater, the power of a moving experience, that people naturally, when they find something good, when they find something that they seem to think is powerful in their life, they just have this natural desire to share it with others. Paul would say the same thing. Paul would say, as believers, that when we accept him and we begin walking with him and we understand what he has done for us, then it should just kind of be naturally that we live out our faith. It should be natural that, that we just are public with our faith. And so this morning as we go into these, these this group of scriptures starting in verse 10, we're just going to walk through this and we're going to look at just the importance of sharing your faith, the importance of telling others about Christ, what you've found in Christ. And you know what I just gotta tell you, I am totally. Exhausted and worn out. Uh, Our last two services, God has done some huge things in this room. And I'm just trusting Him to do just what He's done in other services. That, That we would just understand what Paul was talking about before we took a break for the Christmas holidays, remember we were talking in Second Corinthians where Paul was saying the eternal destiny that everybody has before them. And those who meet Christ and those who have a relationship with Christ and their eternal destiny is pretty good. And those who don't know Christ and don't have a relationship with Him, it's not so good. And then all of a sudden, that's why Paul comes down and says, therefore, because this is true, we need to be active our faith has to be public it's not private no matter what they tell you and so I just want to give you four quick principles and then you're gonna hear we're gonna finish up with another testimony but I wanna hear I want to give you four principles of, of just sharing your faith and the first one is this if you're gonna share your faith effectively you have got to be genuine and real if you're gonna share your faith effectively if you're going to speak into the lives of others, you have to come to the point to where you're just, you're just authentic, you're just genuine, you're just real. Look at this. This is, this is who Paul was. Watch this, uh, verse, verse 10. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, we talk to others. The NIV say, well, we try to persuade others. And, and so it's something that we talk to others, we persuade others, we tell people where we got the good news and all that stuff. Uh, But we, what we are is known to God. In other words, God knows who we are. God knows our imperfections. God knows our struggles. God knows our, our failures in life. God knows all about us. And what we are is plain. What we are is known to God. And then he goes deeper and he says, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. In other words, Paul had this ability to say, hey, what I am, I'm just plain. What I am, I'm authentic and I'm real and I'm genuine. I don't know why it is that so many Christians believe that to live out the Christian faith and to win people to Christ, you gotta appear that you don't have any perfections. You gotta appear that you're perfect. You gotta appear you don't have problems with your husband, you don't have problems with your wife, you don't have problems with your kids, you don't have problems with life. Life on the outside. Now it may be falling apart on the inside, but many people believe that they, if I'm gonna share my faith that I have to come to this point to own the appearance. But when Christians are pious and self-righteous, it's repulsive, even to other believers, right? I mean, you ever, as a believer, been around a Christian that was self-righteous and pious, and they're never going to admit they have a problem. They're never going to admit they have any failure in their life or hurt or pain or sin or anything. It's even repulsive to other believers. It kind of makes you pull back and say, "What is up with that? Listen, let me tell you something. Paul was genuine and real. He said, "What I am is man, what I am is plain." He said, "You know what? I, I hate to tell you this, but Paul said, i am the chief among sinners. Uh, no one sinned more than me." I was the guy that before I became a Christian was persecuting Christians. I was doing everything I could to stamp out Christianity because Jesus was a threat to me and a a threat to my goals and my plans for my life. There there are some Christians that go to the other extreme and they believe that because there's sin in my life, because there's failure in my life, who am I to share my faith? Who am I to talk? Can, Can I just tell you this? Your greatest failure in life, when you find faith and you find forgiveness in Jesus Christ, can be your, become your greatest platform to speak into the lives of other people. To say when I went through my greatest failure, my greatest hurt, my greatest pain, Jesus Christ didn't judge me. There was forgiveness, there was acceptance. He took away the guilt, took away everything and Paul said he was so honest he said you know he said you know the good that I want to do I always do it the good that I want to do the commitments I I have those moments and he said and you know the things that I say that I don't want to do anymore that I want to stop there are times I do it and he went on, he says, what a wretched man am I. But praise be to God for the forgiveness that he offers. And I'm not in the same place spiritually that I was a year ago, and guess what? I'm not going to be in the same place that I am spiritually in a year from now. Because I'm progressing in the faith. And I'm maturing. If you're going to share your faith effectively, you have to be genuine you have to be real this last week karen and i karen goes back to my wife goes back to nursing school on on monday actually we both go back (laughs) if you know anything about nursing school it's a joint effort and so uh so she goes back on on monday and And we decided to take a few days off, and we went up to Estes Park, and we do this occasionally, and we got a cabin, and we life journaled together, we prayed together, we talked about goals, we talked about what God did in 2009 and what we'd like for Him to do in in the next year to come. And so one day we went into town, and, you know, we almost had Estes Park almost to ourselves because it's just not peak season, and that's why we go there at this time. And so we almost had it. And so Karen had to go to the restroom, and she went into the restroom, and... And this lady came out soon after Karen and I tried to speak to her and say something and she almost ran me over and she was kind of rude to me. And so she went on her way and then Karen comes out. Karen looks at me and Karen's like, that lady was rude to me in there. Now listen, I don't know what goes on in a lady's restroom and I... (laughs) For us guys, that's not a place to meet people, you know. I mean, when guys go in the restroom, I'm just saying, when guys go in the restroom, we don't want to talk. To, we're uncomfortable. Don't even acknowledge I'm in here. We don't want to talk. But obviously, that's obviously women visit in restrooms and vi- women v- get to know each other in a restroom. Don't understand it, but that's okay. And so, so I'm like, well, and I didn't even ask what did she do. I didn't want to know. I mean, I mean anyway. So we get in the car, and we're pulling off and at, at the stoplight. Here this lady is holding up a sign, the rude lady. She's holding up a sign that says, pray for peace. <laughs> like, it starts with you, and so anyway. <laughs> Listen, if you're going to share your faith, it's not perfection. But you've got to be genuine. You've got to be real. You've got to be authentic. You've got to be willing. Listen, I know it's hard it's hard for me that when I when I share my struggles and some of my stuff because guess what there are some Christians that will use that against you why is it why is it Christians label people with their biggest failure the world offers more forgiveness than some believers just saying and I'm just saying this that if you're gonna share your faith with passion you have to be genuine. You have to be real. You have to come to the point. Uh, look at this. Paul says in verse 14, it's Christ's love that compels us. In the Greek, that word compel means to master over it. The reason that we share our faith, the reason it's because of His love that compels us. And it's Christ's love. Listen, you know the reason that we add services continually? is because Christ's love compels us to reach people you know the reason we spend less on ourselves so we can spend more on the community and more on others because Christ's love compels us it's his love listen it broke my heart when I read the religious statistics about they did a survey here a while back about uh, is your state the most religious or is your state does your state have the highest church attendance do you you know where Colorado fits in Number 47, or 46, there's three other states in the U.S. that has lower church attendance than our state. It broke my heart. It's Christ's love that compels us. The reason we give out of our resources, the reason we give out of our time, the reason we serve in a children's ministry, the reason we serve is because it's Christ's love that compels us. And we have to be genuine and we have to be real. Verse 12, for we are not committing ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not what is in the heart. Paul is saying this issue, be genuine, be real about it. The second thing he says is that if you're going to share your faith, you have to be convinced of the truth of the gospel. Man, there are some that don't share their faith because they're they're really not convinced about the truth of the gospel. Any road gets you there. Don't really know if it's true about Christianity. I mean, just as long as you're a good person, just as long as you do more good stuff than bad stuff, and, oh, guess what? I'm the judge. I'll judge who who does enough good stuff and and who does enough bad stuff. I'm the one that can make those judgments. You're not going to share your faith. You're not going to talk to other people about Christ. If you are not convinced that it's true, watch this, verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. There we go. The love of Christ is what drives us. The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded what? That one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. In other words, when Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins, I died and my sins died with me. He says, the truth of the gospel is true. Verse 15. He goes on and he says... He says this, if I can find it. Verse 15, here we go. And and he died for all, that those who live, and man, this is underlined in my Bible, who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. For him, my life is not my own. Paul experienced that for their sake, died, and he was raised again. I don't know if you've been following Fox News and Brit Hume and and what happened there, but in an interview and a a talk session, Brit Hume made a statement concerning Tiger Woods. And and he just simply said, he says, you know, he said... uh, as far as Tiger Woods, you know, he says, I heard for him. His whole life has fallen around him, and it has to be difficult. And he says, I understand that his mom's a Buddhist, and he's kind of said he's a Buddhist. We don't know if he's really a Buddhist or not. But he says, you know, my prayer for Tiger Woods would be this, is that he would turn to Christianity. And he would accept the forgiveness that Christianity offers. Brit Hume had become a believer 12 years ago. He's been discipled. He's in a church. He's active in his church. And he says, my prayer for Tiger Woods is this, is that he had turned to Christianity. And and because Christianity is the only religion that offers forgiveness and peace and comfort. And if he had turned to him, and if it was authentic, it would radically change his life. And it would change the life of his family, just like you heard the testimony of Pat Smith. Well, because of that statement, there's been huge criticism that he made that statement. And he's followed it up and talked about it and about why and this, that, and the other. And, and you just got to understand this. All the religions in the world, do you realize Christianity is the only one that offers forgiveness? All the other religions don't even know how to deal with sin. They don't even account for it. You just got to try to live a good life because the good stuff has to outweigh the bad stuff. And But who judges? And so anyway, so an interview that, that Brett Hume was asked, later he was asked, he says, hey, what's this issue about you going public with your faith and sharing your faith? And, and I'll just quote him. He says, you know what? I ought to be willing to share my faith. I don't want to practice a faith that I'm afraid to proclaim. He says, I, it wouldn't, I don't want to be a closet Christian. I don't want to stand on the street uh, with a megaphone. My principal responsibility at Fox News isn't to proselytize, but occasionally I... Occasionally, a mention of faith seems to me to be appropriate. And when those occasions come, I'll do it. See, Brett Hume could have said, Tiger needs to learn how to be a better Buddhist. He needs to be a Muslim. He needs to to go talk to Oprah. He needs to be... You know, talk to, to Dr. Phil. He needs to have positive thinking. I got a positive thinking book. He could have recommended all kinds of things. And guess what? There would have been no criticism. But at the mention of Jesus Christ, the truth, the rock, the one that can change scripture says that, you know what? Not everybody will like that. And Britt Hume expressed that and says, you know what? I know that when you mention the name of Jesus Christ in our society, there's going to be huge controversy, but he said, Isn't that what they did to Jesus? He said, And I, I understand that, but he says, I am so convinced of the gospel. 12 years ago, my life was a wreck. I was successful. I was doing well. My life was out of control. It was a wreck. I met Christ. He came into my life, and everything makes sense. And I got peace, and I got comfort, and I got meaning. Listen. If you're not convinced of the gospel, you will never pull the trigger and talk to someone about their faith. Because in your mind, you'll believe, hey, any road gets you there. I mean, as long as they're a good person, it's okay. that's why Paul said, we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him because all of Paul's ambitions changed when he met Christ. His goals was to be in the Sanhedrin as well on his way. He's going to be successful. He's persecuting Christians because Jesus was a threat to him and his goals, and that's the reason a lot of people reject him, as he's just a threat. And all of a sudden everything changes. You talk about Christ, there will be people who criticize you. It's narrow minded. Why do you read your Bible? Why do you go to church? Why do you give of your money? Why do you serve? Why do you help others? The third thing that, that Paul says in this passage is we've got to be genuine. We've got to be convinced of the gospel. Then he says we've got to be able to look at people with a spiritual perspective. See our world. We, we see the external I mean, we, whether it's it's wealth, it's success, it's power, it's looks, it's ability, it's education, it's position, uh, whatever it is, we we look at the external. But Paul says, you know what? If you're gonna if you're gonna share your faith, it, it has to be you have to have a spiritual perspective. Watch this, verse sixteen. For now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, we don't uh, regard people to external. Experience and external abilities. We're able to see beneath that. We understand there's something spiritually going on. And he says, uh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, Paul did. We regard him thus no longer. And if you're going to influence people of the Lord, then you have to begin to look at them with a spiritual perspective. You have to be able to look beneath the externals, the hurt, the pain, the issues. And you have to look beneath that into the spiritual issues to see what is going on. How do you respond to the person in the workplace, your school, your community, that you disagree with their lifestyle? How do you respond to the homosexual? How do you respond to the adulterer? How do you respond to the person that's just so angry, so vengeful, that no one wants to be around? Because it's just like this, this sea of stuff and anger. How do you respond to that person? How do you respond to the gossip? How do you respond to people that are hurtful? Do you realize statistics say, hiring statistics, business magazines, some surveys that were recently done, that a lot of managers do not want to hire believers? because they tend to over spiritualize everything sometimes they're lazy but the most incriminating statistic was this or finding they harshly judge they harshly judge in the business if someone's lifestyle is different than them they're the ones going around I'm not working with that person I'm not working with that lady I'm not working with that man I'm not dealing with that See, so many people, why why do Christians sometimes want to explain their faith? I mean, more people know what we're against instead of what we're for. And so many times Christians live their life and they're just like explaining their faith instead of living a life that is actually attractive and not judgmental. I mean, we should be people of joy. That's why Paul said that you progress in your, your walk with Christ. You progress in faith and joy. Now listen, we as Christians, we love to talk about, oh, being a cr- mature Christians is just progressing in faith. We know more Scripture. We, more, nor, nor, more, we know more doctrine. We more know more about the Bible than anyone else knows. Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. But Paul says knowledge puffs up. And Paul says, wait a minute, it's deeper than that. Christian maturity? progressing in faith and joy? When a Christian is placed in a difficult season of their life, working for someone they really don't like, working in a place they really, living in a place they really don't want to be in, how do you respond? You sprang with joy? That God has a purpose and God has meaning for you? How do you respond to the people that you work around? How do you respond? This may wipe you out, what I'm about ready to tell you, but can I just tell you this? We've baptized people in this church with every kind of sin issue known to man that was in their past. We've baptized people with homosexuality in their past. We've baptized a couple of people who had murdered in their past. We've baptized people that have great failure in their past. We have we've baptized people that have great hurt, great pain, great emptiness, and I have personally watched what God does when He walks in and changes the life. Yeah, hurting people hurt. That person that you work with, that person that you may live with, go to school with. The reasons they're so hurtful and painful is because there's probably pain in their life. Something's not right and they're reacting. Are you able? Are you able to see beneath that? How do you handle it when someone walks into this church? May not listen the way you think they should listen. May not respond the way you should. Re- I, I get comments all the time. It's it just hard to listen. I didn't do such and such. They doing this and this and this. Where do you want them to be? How do you know they're not listening? Man, I learned that when I did Youth at Risk. I did gang ministry with the Crips and the Bloods and the Latin Kings. And I put them all together in one room. They came in and I took their flags. They couldn't fly their colors in there because that'd be problems. And, and what I learned with them, the moment I thought they weren't listening, that's when God was doing something in their life, in their heart. And man, we've got to develop. If you're going to share your faith, you've got to be genuine. You've got to be real. You've got to be authentic you got to be convinced of the gospel. And you have to see things from a spiritual perspective instead of judging so harshly the people that you work with and go to church with and hang out with. you got to understand that there's something else going on in their life. and That's why Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come Paul knew that from his own life and I know that from my life when an individual comes to Christ the old is gone and the new has come and they're not the same person the last thing that if you're going to share your faith well, you've got to see the urgency. you just got to see the urgency, and you see this in Paul's writings, because he says, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. Now listen, when I, when I read this for the first time as a believer, this group of scriptures wiped me out. When I started understanding the dynamics, in their time, an ambassador was a very important person. They would take an ambassador, and they would commission them. They would lay hands on them. They would commission them and send them out. And then so not only was the ambassador commissioned for a task or a service, but the the, the ambassador represented the sender, the one that was sending, and he had authority that he could enact from the sender. We have ambassadors right now, we have ambassadors in our government to other countries, and guess what? Ambassadors from, from U.S. that go to other countries, they represent the United States of America, they represent a president, and they've been commissioned, and they've been sent out, and they have authority. And the same is true for us. And Christ says, guess what? You're my representative. You're my ambassador. That's why it's important that you be genuine and real. That's why it's important that you have joy. That's why it's important that you have a spiritual perspective into the lives of people that are around you. That's why it's important that you don't judge and you don't condemn. Because guess what? When you judge and when you condemn, they believe I'm a God of judgment and they believe I'm a God of condemnation and they believe there's no room for me in the local church because that's just how Christians are and that's how Christianity is. And because you're a representative of me, they see me that way. And when you look at this, watch this, that God is making His appeal through us. I mean, it blew me away when I read that. It says, God, you mean, you mean you make your appeal through me? Yeah, you're my ambassador. You're my representative. And he goes on and he says, we implore you. In the Greek, that's a huge word of, of urgency. You don't know how much time you have left. You don't know how much time they... We implore you. On behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In the Greek, today. Watch this. It plays out. For our sake, uh, He made known to Him to... uh, for, For our sake, He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with Him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For He says... In a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Today's the day for salvation. Behold, now is the day. You see the urgency. Now is the day of salvation. Now let me help you real quickly with this CPR card. You're going to hear one more testimony. Uh, In your bulletin is, is CPR card, critical path to redemption. It's how... Pat Smith, met Christ in our church. I just want to show you how easy this is. It takes like two minutes to share your faith. It takes like two minutes to talk to someone about Christ. And the first thing is this. You can memorize it. You can hand it to them. You can read it with them. And so the first thing is you need to tell someone, you know, you know what? God loves you. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that no man should perish. I just need to tell you, God loves you deeply and God would love to meet you and, and and here's the deal you have never locked eyes with someone that God did not care for regardless of what you think of them regardless whether you like them or not God cares for that individual and so God God loves you but i i just i just need to tell you that that our sin separates us from God that we've all done things that we regret we've all done things that we've we've sinned and I mean you've done things and I've done things and, and scripture says that we've, we've all fallen short of the glory of God and guess what that includes me that includes all of us and so how do we reconcile that and Jesus is the only way John, uh, the scripture says Jesus said in John 14 that I'm the way the truth and life and nobody comes to the father except through me and so he's the only way. I know there's a lot of people out there will we'll tell you that there's many pathways to God and you just got to live a good life and, and they kind of decide what's a good life and what's a bad life and, but there's no assurance in that. And we know that God's word is true and we're convinced of the gospel and I just got to tell you Jesus is the only way. Jesus, Jesus is the only way that offers forgiveness. You're not going to find that anywhere else. And then the last thing is this, I just need to tell you that you need to personally receive Him. Your wife can't do it for you, your husband can't do it for you, your children can't do it, your friend can't do it as much as some of us would like to. I mean, you ever wanted to accept Christ for someone else? That you're so passionate and you just want them just to get it? And so, you know what? And being raised in church isn't even enough. Just because I go to McDonald's, it doesn't make me a Big Mac. And just because you were born in church or just because you're raised in church, it doesn't make you a Christian. And Romans says this. It says that you have to personally receive Him. And that if you'll call out on the name of the Lord, and if you'll believe with all your heart, trust in, cling to, that you'll be saved. It's all it is. It's not an argument. It's not a debate. And you can tell them this is what this is what. He's done for me. You give your testimony. And there's a simple prayer on the back. It's not a magic prayer. You don't have to follow exactly. Just kind of a guideline. If you want to pray with someone, you say, hey, would you like to do that? Could we pray together? And guide them through the principle of accepting Christ for themselves. A friend of mine pastors a church in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. It's a It's a struggling church of about 26,000 people. So you can pray for Bob. And uh, in 1983, he had a lady by the name of Liz Higgs. If some of you ladies may know the name, she's written a couple of books now. bad girls of the Bible, really bad girls of the Bible. But she was a uh, a disc jockey and, and drug addiction and rock and roll and all that came with that. And so I asked Bob if he would send me some clips of her testimony. Now, this was originally filmed in VHS days, and it's been converted to a DVD, so it'll be a little bit grainy. But you'll be able to understand her testimony. I just want you to see her testimony. So you guys go ahead and play that.
2: I got here in 1981... I was a mess. I didn't know. I was pretty valuable, worthy, or loved. I knew nothing. Except that I was miserable. Some of us have to go all the way down to the bottom of the pit before we can look up, and I was down in that pit. Lord said, I better tell, send somebody to tell her to look up. And Over my pit of despair, two dear people came to work with me at Wacky Radio in Neuville. And they looked down and said, Here's a project. (laughs) Will you look at this woman's lifestyle? Will you listen to her mouth? She is ready to hear some good news. Now, they didn't take me to church. You wouldn't have either. No, you really wouldn't have. No. Here's our friend Liz. Please ignore her glazed expression. You know, it was a hard night. (laughs) They just, well, they just loved me. They invited me into their hearts. They invited me into their home. I finally invited myself to their church. (laughs) I wanted to see if there was anybody else as weird as these two. (laughs) And there were whole pews full of them. These friendly, loving, non-judgmental people. I sat there in the pew thinking, if they only knew what kind of woman I am, they wouldn't even want to sit near me. minister got up our passage today is Ephesians 5 wives submit to your husbands (laughs) good teaching or wouldn't be in there but here I sat women's livers single woman wives submit to your husbands was not the message my friends were praying for for that day. you (laughs) You bring a friend to church, you want something loving, grace filled evangelistic you weren't praying for wives submit to their husbands as the lead text. But if you know that teaching, you know a couple of verses later it says an incredible thing. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, being willing to die for her. I turned to my friend and I said, if I ever met a guy willing to die for me, I would marry him in a heartbeat. She said, Lizzie, a man has already died for you. We went to brunch. They said, do you want to come back next week? I said, yes, I do. I want to see if this guy is always that good or if I caught him on a good day. So I came back and, and heard another message and another message. I came six weeks. Three weeks I heard about how to be a good spouse and I was single. Three weeks about a how to be a good mother and I didn't have children. <laughs> Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> you see, his word is so powerful. Sometimes you want to find that perfect verse for somebody, but his word is so powerful, you just open it up, and it will lead you to the author and perfecter of your faith. By the seventh week, I was singing in the choir. Well, I loved to sing, and they had a robe that fit. <laughs> I and mean, it was like a perfect fit. You know, zipped it right up, wouldn't have worn it home, but it was a rental. And, uh, I'm up here in the choir, and uh, we get to the last song. I always thought it was interesting the last song was always one everybody seemed to know and that was good because they didn't need their hymnals they needed to be putting on their coat or that's the song where you get the kids to pick their crayons up or the where we go into brunch song you know the last song <laughs> but I'm in the choir I can't do any of that so, so I just have to sing I have decided to follow Jesus. And I decided. And after seven weeks there, I I knew what to do. I came out of the choir loft, the whole alto section went, (gasps) (gasps) We thought she was one of us. (laughs) Well, you know those altos, I shared my hymnal with her. What a happy day that was. I went down front, and I said something we say. In our particular church, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept Him as my Lord and my Savior. And then we we just go ahead and get people wet right away, (laughs) lest they change their mind. Down in the water I went, up to newness of life I came. February 21st, 1982. What a happy
0: day. Yeah, you can clap. That's okay. I'm going to steal a line from Pat's dad and I'm going to talk to two groups of people. There's some of you this morning that just need to accept him for the first time. That I went through the card and read some scripture about how to meet Christ, that Christ loves you and your sin separates Him from God and that Jesus is the only way. And if you understand all that, that scripture says in Romans that you just call out to Him, you will be saved. And some of you this morning, today's the day of salvation. Some of you this morning, we've had people accept Christ and both of our services and we're trusting Him again. Some of you may have sat in this church for a long time trying to figure out Christianity. And today's the day that you've never made that decision, you've never given your life to Christ. Would you just make the commitment, the the confession that I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And I choose to follow Him today, and to the very best of my ability, I call out to Him and ask Him to come into my life to forgive me of my sins, give me the gift of eternal life. There's another group of people that I need to talk to as well, because some of you have already made that decision. There's a story that came out recently about a uh, private pilot that was flying a private plane, his plane, and Solo. And, He didn't have an instrument rating and so the weather came in and the ceiling kept dropping and he kept coming lower and lower and and so traffic control kept diverting him and so finally they diverted him to another airport but it was a rural airport and and he got there and it was already nighttime and it was totally dark and he kept circling trying to figure out where the runway was how he could land where the airstrip was and but he didn't have enough fuel he couldn't go anywhere else it was just totally dark And he didn't know what he was going to do. Was he just going to take a chance and try to guess or what? And he said about when he was ready to give up, someone, an old pickup, a farmer, started driving up to the airport and started going up and down the runway, giving light to the darkness. And then he finally took his truck and he parked it and shined his light out over the runway. He gave him light so he could land. He gave him light so he could be safe. He gave him light so he could be saved. There's some of you as believers that you work with, you go to school with, maybe people in your family and people in your home, but they're in darkness and they're about ready to give up. Christianity is not about and evangelism is not about grabbing someone by the collar and dragging them and nobody's ever screamed someone into the kingdom of God. It's about grabbing their heart first. That's what happened to Liz. A couple of friends didn't judge her, didn't condemn her. That's what happened to Pat. And we could give testimony all afternoon long of people in this room that came to Christ because someone told them whether it was a mom or a dad or a friend or a brother or a husband or a wife and I am trusting God that God has already laid on your heart the name that is on your card that you need to share Christ with why is it sometimes the people that we love the most is the most difficult to have those conversations and we just put it off would you bow your heads with me Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, your word teaches that it is you who draws people unto yourself. That if you be lifted up, Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for dying on the cross. Father, if there's those in this room that just need to draw a line in the sand and today needs to be their day of salvation, Father, would they, to the very best of their ability, just ask you to come into their life and forgive them of their sins. Acknowledge that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, that you're the Messiah, and that you're the only way they enter into a relationship with you. Father, I pray for the believers here this morning. They'd be able to be genuine and real. They'd be convinced of the gospel to the point that they'd be public about their faith. They'd develop a spiritual perspective of the people that they are around them, and they'd just see a people, a person that just desperately needs you or they wouldn't be judgmental